Welcome into another episode of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone from Miami by Rob Casty. Rob, how's it going? It's going, man. I've got electricity, which is a step in the right direction for my life. I did not have much of that last week. Uh, yeah, boy, it must have been nice to just sit there and unplug in Miami in tropical weather. I wish I could get a yeah, vacation and get away like that. Instead of driving from New York to Miami, yeah, it was a real tropical <laughs> Driving up the coast with no gas and no hotels in sight, and thinking I might have to die at a rest stop. Uh, other than that, yeah, it was very relaxing. <laughs> well, and joining us from lovely Austin, Texas, where uh, there's power and plenty of uh, Torchy's tacos to go around. Nick Kruger, Nick, how's it going? You know, uh, this Saturday, I'm actually driving to Carthage at Gilmer, and that's like a five-hour drive. So, you know, Rob, before you start complaining, think about some of the other people on this call here. Same thing. <laughs> it's like a doomsday scenario with no gas stations on the way. Yeah. Carthage sounds like a nice place. Um, or, or, or Wait, Carthage is the road team? They are the road team, correct? We can have subscribers there, Woody. That's not that's not my Carthage. <laughs> Jeez, boy, right out right out of the gate, where we're uh, trying to get in trouble. Um, so anyway, we want to remind everyone to uh, subscribe to the show, tell a friend, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. We keep stacking reviews. Uh, some of the other rivals podcasts can't stay the same at this point, so. We should uh, be happy for our listeners who support the show. And please leave us a review, preferably a good one or one that makes fun of Rob. Those are what uh, get priority when it comes to getting read on the show. So we're going to switch up the format a little bit this week uh, or during football season going forward. Instead of burying the picks uh, towards the end when we when we get a little loopy, we decided we're going to bring them up top in case anyone wants to get uh, mine and Nick's picks and then bet against us. <laughs> Since we're doing is this, so bad. Is, is this a strategy to to disrupt my momentum? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I believe you. See, the problem is you're a little more studied. I think you start looking at the lines when they come out on Sunday, whereas Nick and I look at them about five minutes before we start the show, I think. Or sometimes in Nick's case, he finds them out when I read to him uh, on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who's playing on a week-to-week basis until you guys tell me. <laughs> this, this week it's a race. It's a race versus the New York Jets, Nick, and the line is 13. Yeah. And the line is New York plus or uh, minus three because they're at home. Uh, well, you know, speaking of Nick and his email habits, which we often joke about, I had to check on Nick this week to make sure uh, he got the email that said we still have jobs. So, uh, uh, but he had received it, which was a pleasant surprise. So we all still have jobs, by the way. <laughs> yeah, for all those people that, 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 that don't understand what you're talking about, at Rivals.com, you get an email once at the end of every week telling you if you're fired or not. <laughs> well, <laughs> You joke about that, but how many emails have we gotten saying we still have a job in the last three yeah, months? That's because, Two, of the, right? that's because, yeah, because of the merger and all that. I understand. All right. So, so don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't knock uh, those emails. They make me very happy and, and gives me uh, more incentive to, to bring great content to everyone out there. So we're jumping to the picks. Last week, Nick and I each went one and two. Uh, Rob wasn't on the show, which conveniently gave us his picks afterwards he went two and one uh so so on the year rob now eight and two nick and i four and six i believe i'm five and ten on the picks at the rivals homepage, tied for dead last with uh adam gorney so take that into account when you listen to the picks that we make here and i am on the other end of that first place yeah and rob's in first now my locks of the week are two and one i'd like to i'd like to uh you know, promote that a little bit, even though Rob and I had the same lock of the week last week. So 
jump right into it. First game, TCU at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, a 13-point favorite right now. They're coming off uh, just a game where they killed Pitt. I think they had 49 points at halftime or something like that. And TCU coming off a, a closer-than-expected win at SMU, which included one of the stupidest Hail Marys i ever seen in my life. The, the, the Tennessee-Florida one got all the attention, but I don't know if you guys saw this. I texted Nick when it happened. I mean, they threw the ball into the end zone, and, and all there were five SMU players there, and they just watched as the guy jumped up and caught it. No one even left their feet. It was amazing. Did you guys get a chance to see it? No, I didn't watch it. It was that's a, that's a situation when everybody's going like uh, he's got it. They they had too many people back there. Everybody else thought somebody else was going to get it. I guess right. So so anyway, uh, I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I think they're going to win big. There's still a lot of questions about their defense. I think TCU will be able to score, but uh, I I don't see anyone being able to score with Oklahoma State. This one's at home. Consider yourself horned, TCU. I think you're walking into. Uh, <laughs> you're walking into the bees nest there and uh, i like the cowboys so nick will let you go second this is a big 12 matchup people complain we talk too much about the sec so we were leading off with the big 12 well i think you know i think it's got to be oklahoma state this week i think they're primed to make that championship run this season i mean they, this is this is this is the best they've looked in a long time i think their defense has actually looked pretty good uh to start this season so you know when you factor in kind of how inconsistent you can uh, kind of count on TCU being at one point of the game or the next, you know, I think, I think Oklahoma state should take this. All right, Rob, I think you, uh, you'll probably make it a clean sweep here since, since you're with me on the old Oklahoma state man wagon. Yeah. I mean, they're going to win by a hundred again. Uh, I've made this my lock of a week again on the website. I, I, I just don't think Vegas is caught up here. I don't think TCU is very good. If TCU gave up 38 points or whatever to SMU at TCU and now they're going to go to Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State might score 60. Uh, they can't score with them. I take the pokes. Yeah, I'd like the over there too. I'm not sure. I don't even know what it is and I like it. Uh, as long uh, as it, yeah. It's got to be less than 80, right? I would assume it'll probably be somewhere between 77 and 79. Yeah, I could see. I could totally see a I could totally see like a 55 to 35 type game here. Uh, something like that. So uh, moving on, next game, Mississippi State at Georgia. Mississippi State stunned a lot of people by beating LSU last week, which uh, I really like Mississippi State in that game uh, before, and uh, which I talked about with you guys off the air. Now they go into Georgia. All of a sudden, this should be – you'd think it would be the game of the week on CBS, but they picked it the other week. Uh, they picked ahead of time. Now it's going to be the, the primetime game, I believe. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this matchup. Of course, we all know I can never pick Georgia's games right when I think they're going to win – they lose and uh, vice versa. So uh, we'll let you guys go first. We'll start with uh, Rob on this one. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia because – and I just don't think LSU is very good is really what this comes down to. And Mississippi State looked great. Don't get me wrong. I think they're a fine football team. I think that was maybe a little accentuated by LSU just not being good at all. Uh, and I think, you know, I think you're going to see that this week. I think Georgia should have relatively little trouble winning this game. Nick? Uh, I'm going to take Georgia because, uh, I got to start, you know, taking some, taking some advice from the master <laughs> and Rob a little bit, but also I think, I, I think too, that I, I, a lot of people seem to like Mississippi state heading into that game against LSU. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if, you know, now, now it's kind of like a cat is out of the bag scenario. I think Georgia will, will know what to expect. You know, they're at home. I, I'll take the Bulldogs. Well, the Georgia Bulldogs. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a bull, the Bulldog <laughs> Bowl. Um, I think I'm also going to take Georgia, and here's why. I, I think last week, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago, we saw Georgia go up and beat Notre Dame in a game where they really held down their rushing attack. I think they had less than 100 yards in that game. And then in the other two games, Notre Dame has won. They've run for a ton of yardage. Uh, I really think Georgia's defense is for real. They got some uh, talented freshmen, including former friend of the show, Richard LeCount, uh, making all types of plays despite uh, his attitude, <laughs> which was a concern for some people, not on this podcast. <laughs> which line are we using for this? Because with Geis out, this thing has dropped like four points in the last hour. What is it at? Well, it was at, what do you, I saw it at 23 or something like, or I saw it at like, uh, if Georgia minus five is the line no, I'm, going with. I'm talking about a different game. I'm sorry. I'm, I've lost my <laughs> Jeez, Breaking news, guys transfers mid-season yeah. and uh, uh, is not playing for his new team. <laughs> I'm, I'm, here, I'm here reading while you guys are talking. Okay, just, all right. My wires anyway, I picked Georgia. Jeez, Rob. Wait, step sorry, on my yeah. analysis. Great work there. All right. Uh, we need to do a bonus pick since we only have two ranked matchups this week, which is kind of surprising, kind of a bummer this time of the year, is, uh, especially on a Saturday where I'm going to be home all day. But we just, I decided to go with Alabama at Vanderbilt. Uh, Nick and Rob both picked against Vandy last week against K-State. Now they welcome in Vanderbilt. I can't get a hotel room in Nashville for this weekend where I'm going to go watch a game on Friday. So there's going to be a lot of Alabama fans there I think we anticipate. I've got the line at uh, Alabama minus 18 and a half going on the road to Vandy. And uh, Nick, we're going to let you take this one first. So I know this isn't – you're not super uh, familiar, but what do you think? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I want to take Vanderbilt really bad, especially – you know, I love I love it. We love it. We love it in Nashville. We love Vanderbilt. We love Coach Mason. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast. But at the same time, I always hear people say, take Alabama no matter what the spread is. <laughs> uh, so – and I, I don't – lean necessarily on Vandy's uh, home field advantage, especially with so many Alabama fans coming into town. I got, I guess I got to take the tide. All right, Rob, what do you think? I'm with Kruger. I, I, I mean, I just think the talent, the talent differential is really something between these two teams. I think, uh, you know, I think maybe last week, I don't think K-State is nearly as good as I thought they were. Uh, they've got some offensive issues that made Vanderbilt's defense, which is very good, look a lot better than it even is. And they're just going to be outgunned at every position. Uh, Alabama's backups in some spots are as good as Vanderbilt's players. And you always take the talent, right? You know, I follow the talent and I will take uh, the loaded Crimson Tide in this game to cover. Boy, this is a tough one for me. I think I am going to go with Vandy, and I, because it's a big spread, and you know, who knows, the line might even move a little more. Come, uh, you know, people jump on Alabama, but I just think I'm, uh, you know, having seen Alabama live, I'm a little worried about their offense. It seems pretty one dimensional with Hurts uh, just do, just running every play. Uh, I know they've they've had a little bit of success passing, but not as much as we would expect. And I just think Vanderbilt's defense is going to do enough to hang around. This may be the old classic Alabama, you know, 24 to 10 type win, but I don't think they win by three touchdowns. So I'm going to go uh, with the Commodores and, and maybe try to pick up a game on you guys uh, this week if I can get that one right. So. Right. Alabama did Alabama had the week off this past week, correct? No, they played Colorado State. I was gonna say they played some uh, major. But it was a little you know, a little close. Let me go back and check the score. I remember uh turning it on at one point and it was uh it was they they beat it they beat Colorado State forty one to twenty three at home. That's eighteen points. So 
they're saying you're going to go on the road and beat Vanderbilt by more than they beat two and two uh, Colorado State well, at hey, home. Yeah, no, that's listen, not exaggerate. Vanderbilt's home field fun. advantage. I mean that. I mean I don't know if you guys watched the game last week, but the game was like it was like a K State home game in that place. Boy, it's a big surprise you point out uh, the positives of K-State. Uh, they suck. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. That's a bad football team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump into this week's uh, topics. We, As we said, we've kind of shifted our focus uh, You know, with us coming out on Thursday and it being in the middle of the season. So we want to talk first and foremost about Byron Cowart, the number one player in the class of 2015. Leaving Auburn, this was something that uh, I know Rob texted me about when I was in Greece as he had heard rumblings that he was trying to get out to go to FAU. Now, a, he, he played in a few games this year. Actually, I think he had a couple of tackles for loss. He, w- he was rotating in the lineup, but obviously not contributing. And I've seen a ton of – he's done a ton of interviews uh, since he decided to leave. That was just yesterday. I've seen three or four stories with him already. I've seen New Byron really well when he was a recruit. I think Nick knew him a little bit as well. Um, this doesn't come as a surprise to us, right? I mean, I think we've heard, as I mentioned, Rob, you heard these rumblings before. But, you know, uh, Mike Farrell, who hosts another podcast here at Rivals.com, uh, which uh, touches on some sensitive Italian stereotypes I know Rob's mom's not too happy about. Uh, <laughs> he... Uh, he said he wrote an article and declared him right now the worst number one overall recruit of all time so far in the history of rivals. Obviously, he's going to have some eligibility left uh, no matter where he decides to go. But just I wanted to get you guys general thoughts and, and you know, maybe we could talk about why we didn't why it didn't work out and and, you know, what's been your reaction. So let's start with you, old Robbie. What did you think? You know, I don't know why it didn't work out and for me to kind of guess would be irresponsible i think what does stand out to me about it i was pretty new at the company where you're ranking him or i just moved regions or something and i remember everybody being kind of blown away with how he was like this you know very focused you know football passionate kid that you know he can't miss because he's got the body and he's really passionate about football and now all of a sudden that narrative has shifted to he doesn't care um, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know which one's true, but I really remember, you know, I remember a scene at the Under Armour game where he came down and was talking to Mike uh, about something in his game or something, you know, in the hotel. Uh, and he walked off and Mike and whoever was standing with Mike were so impressed with the way, you know, he's always looking to get better no matter how good he is. Nothing's good enough for him. He's a real worker. And now it's like, well, I guess the knock on him is he didn't work hard enough or something. So you never know anything about these kids. They always show you what they you know, what they want you to see. And uh, who am I to say he didn't work hard enough? I wasn't at practice. I don't know what went wrong. It could have been anything. You know, maybe he just didn't, maybe he wasn't happy. Maybe, you know, he just didn't develop. It could have been a number of things. Well, I sort of buried the lead here. Sorry, I apologize to you, Nick. Nick Kruger gets credit for finding Byron Coward, I believe. Right, right, Nick? As we, it was like a, it was, (laughs) it was a rival's camp uh, one of the first ones we ever did, uh, our first year, I think, of having. Well, the- I get I get credit for finding him now that we're talking about how he's the worst number <laughs> well, one. No, no. <laughs> hey, <laughs> he came to this camp. He, had, he was an underclassman. He had no offers. It was me, Nick, and a uh, friend of the show, Keenan Codrington, running this camp, and uh, and Nick. Nick pointed him out, I think, during registration and said, who's this kid? Where Where's he from? You know, and obviously, uh, then he lived up to the hype during the camp and sort of burst on the radar. I think he got four or five offers that week after, and that kind of got the ball rolling. And that always kept us 
having a really good relationship with Byron. Obviously, we made him number one eventually. He didn't start that year as number one. People don't forget that. People forget that it was a situation where Mike hadn't seen him. I was sort of advocating his case because uh, I really liked him, and it, it took him a while before he he did become number one. And then obviously he he lost it after his senior season because he struggled a little bit. We gave it to Josh Rosen, and then he came to the Under Armour game that year. And I think Rob, you weren't there. Uh, but Nick was, and he just dominated. I mean, there was no doubt about it. He sort of eased all those concerns we had about, you know, whether whether he loved the the game or whatever you want to talk about. He he dominated that week. That was the famous uh, put him in a coffin uh, <laughs> <laughs> vine where he ran over the guy, and that that vine went, went viral with that put him in a coffin saying he dominated in the game. I think he had like three sacks in the game, and. I think where things might have gone wrong was the choice of Auburn. I mean, I, he, the kid wanted to go to Florida the whole time. When Muschamp got fired, everything went up in the air. And, and I saw some of these interviews he did. He said he didn't do a good enough job of developing relationships with people at Auburn. I mean, he didn't know Gus Mel's on that well. He didn't know, especially the D-line coach at Auburn, which that's where the main conflict was. Byron got there. He didn't have that relationship with the D-line coach. He went there because of Will Muschamp. And then – they sort of beat him down. I mean, based if you take, you know, the word I've heard and the word other people have heard is, is he got a, a real tough his first year with them. Oh, you think you're number one, <laughs> you know, but, well, the, the D recruitment, which uh, Tom Luganville always likes to talk about. And I think Byron sort of, I wouldn't say he didn't, doesn't love the game or anything like that. I think he had a hard time mentally. I mean, I just, I think it was tough for him. He felt the expectations of being number one and, Maybe if Byron Cowart's the number five overall recruit in the class, he's not treated as as uh, you know the poorly. I guess if you want to say is when he got to Auburn, and maybe he is better, or say he went somewhere else. I mean, he he had a couple other schools that he really liked and and visited during the process. Maybe he goes to Alabama and and he's just now cracking the lineup, but he redshirted. Who knows? It's it's just tough. And I saw the the the. Auburn talk about how we should have registered him that first year to kind of give him some time. And I think it's a, it's a lot of things, a lot of things factored into one. I don't think his career is over. I think he can salvage it. My guess would be he'll end up at, you know, FAU or USF or UCF. I can't imagine getting far from home and he might get an extra year of eligibility left. So he might have two more years to kind of prove that he can still play. And if, if that's the case, I could see him rebounding. The, the physical skills are still there. I just think bouncing him back and forth between D-tackle and defensive end and being at Auburn where, guess what? I mean, Auburn had two two guys go in the top four rounds last year, a D-tackle and a defensive end. They probably got three more draft picks on their defensive line now. So, you know, once you fall behind like that and it's, it's tough to crack the rotation, we've seen Auburn's defense look really good against Clemson, holding them to 14 points. And I think Byron even played in that game a little bit, but he probably should have made this decision before the year would have been best, but you know, it's a bummer and it's weird. Nick, Nick and I drafted him on our team that year at the five-star challenge. If you remember, Nick, we were talking with some of the other players on our team and we were in the lineman challenge and I was like, oh, it's really close when, the, when they were like, but we got Byron. So it was to the point where everyone knew Byron was good. This was not like other kids thought he was overrated or was too hyped. Everyone respected his ability. Other players did too. So it's just weird. It's just weird to me, you know, how it all shook out. I mean, what, Nick, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can't add anything that you guys haven't already, especially since he really wasn't 
my guy to cover so much. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, I get, I, I can say that any time that we saw him at any event that we were at or anything that we hosted, I mean, the dude looked like, he looked like a, a horse, you know, like a stallion, right? Like he, he played like one. And I mean, he was all muscled up. He had, he was, he was, you know, his, he kept his head down. He just kept coming at people. You know, there were times, you know, we saw him at events similar to like Marvin Wilson recently, you know, there were times that he took a lot of reps and didn't always win, but he tried to take something from each one. I mean, the perception that he wasn't actively trying to be the best that he could be all the time in high school, you know, I mean, if, if he was, if it was some kind of sell job or like self-convincing or something, I mean, it was really convincing. I mean, there, he was, he really, he really looked, he really looked at things like, you know, this, this was a business for him. I mean, he didn't crack a lot of jokes, you know, so uh, to see things, how things panned out at Auburn, I mean, I, I do think it, it, a lot of it had to do with the position switch, the role switch, um, you know, and, and, I, and I hope that wherever he ends up, uh, you know, for, for all the talent that we saw, all the raw power that we saw as a player, you know, wherever he ends up, hopefully he kind of reinvigorates himself and reinvents himself. Like you discovered him. He, there was too much pressure on him for being number one. He washed yeah. out. You ruined the kid's career. Yeah. And I think you need to apologize to him. <laughs> I, know. I, I do just think, I think at some point, and we could see it a little bit his senior year. I went to watch him play in a game uh, that year, I think, because I was, I think I was filling in in Florida at that time. I'm not sure. I'd have to remember. I, I wasn't here yet. That's for sure. Yeah. So I was probably covering Florida. And I went to watch him play in a game, and I remember him just being so mad at himself after a game. Like he was like, "I played so bad," you know. And he was just he was really hard on himself. And I could see that kind of snowballing if he got to college and felt like he wasn't doing well, and kind of just really, really being hard on himself because he is a cerebral kid. I'm sure he's reading a lot of stuff about him and and, and things like that, and getting asked a question all the time. Or the coaches are, "Why isn't he playing? Why is he such a bum?" Um, so, you know, like I said, we wish him the best. Hopefully he does find a way to, to kind of pan out. Uh, as I mentioned, Mike has an article on the front page where he kind of looks at some other guys who were ranked number one that didn't quite live up to the hype. So I would advise checking that out on the front page of rivals.com been a very popular article over the last two days. Moving on. We got all kinds. It's, it's already hot seat season. I know, uh, Nick and I talk a lot about this or Rob and I do too about how it's like every week we've got to go with who's on the hot seat and who's not. He's on the hot seat. He's off the hot so seat. This year I do think some guys are shaping up to where it's like, okay, these are make or break seasons. And and one guy I want to talk about is the Tennessee coach, Butch Jones. I went to the doctor yesterday, the I got a sports medicine doctor to get my shoulder looked at. As Nick can attest, I was having some shoulder pain. We played basketball a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this guy had all types of stuff on his wall. He had a picture with Mike Tyson with signed gloves. He had a Matt Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so he's used to working on elite level athletes like yourself. Right. So, so exactly. So I knew he could handle a fine-tuned athlete like myself coming in there. But he also had a Tennessee diploma on the wall, which, by the way, was giant. It's at least two to three times bigger than my college diploma. So I don't know if he got it blown up or or what, because it was kind of like lacquered onto a wood background. It was pretty nice looking. Anyway, and so when he came in, I you know he doesn't know what I do or anything. And so I asked him, I said, oh, so you went to Tennessee? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a vol. And I said, oh, what do you think of old Butch Jones? And he goes, I'm ready for him to go. <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes on and on about talking about, you know, he starts talking about these highly rated recruits, but he doesn't see the talent on the roster. 
And he, he really went on a – I wish we could have had him on the show. We tried to, to get another Tennessee-related guest this week. It fell through. We had a technology issue. My question is they're two and one. Okay, you know, if they would have lost that Georgia Tech game, I may be able to understand. They lost this last game on the Hail Mary, probably a game they should have won against Florida. I think uh I think Nick Nick thought the Vols would win that game and, and was was mad until he actually saw the play they got beat on and then and then reverse course. But I mean, if he they win this week, they play UMass, they're gonna be three and one going into the Georgia game. Are do we think that Vol fans are being a little bit uh over dramatic with thinking he should be fired. I, I I go on the message board there at volquest.com and we see some fans, you know, there, there's a bit of push and pull between the two of them. I think they call them what they call one group, the negavols and the other group, the, uh, the pumpers like the sunshine pumpers. <laughs> but Mike went on there and posted his article about Butch Jones and he really got, they really jumped on him for suggesting maybe that he should be fired. So uh, what do you guys think? I, I personally think it's a wait and see. If if they win eight games, why should he be fired? I mean, do we do we really think he's headed that way, or as as the as the worm already turned? When I've got my doctor suggesting he should be fired as well. I don't know if you can. I, I'm with you. I mean, they lost the game on a hail mary. I, it's too early. I mean, is he gonna? Is this thing gonna fall apart? Maybe. I mean, if it does, then we can have that conversation. But I, you know, I'm not gonna speculate. Let's fire a guy that's two and one and lost on a fluke play. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know that's not the most compelling, you know, radio answers. I don't know, but uh, you got to wait and see. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna condemn the guy for being two and one and losing on a fluke play. Like I said. Well, you know, my, my question is sometimes you, and we have seen this, of course, uh, in other sports as well. We've you're going to be taught, but think about this though. I mean, if you're if you're assuming that they're going to beat UMass this week, and you say, "Oh, they're three and one," I mean, two of those wins come against UMass and Indiana State. Yeah, so, but until they do lose all these games to good teams, I mean, you can't just say, "All right, well, they're going to lose these other games." So it's well, fire. but I'm just I'm just saying, like, if you I'm just saying, like, if you have an opinion about Bush Jones to this point as to whether or not he should stay or go, you're not looking at the record to this point and having that change your opinion. Well, so. Uh, like, we've seen they it lost in a rivalry game. That's what it comes down to. When when fans are already a little bit skittish on a coach, and they lose to a rival, no matter how they lose, it doesn't matter if it's a hail mary or a thirty point blowout. It it gets a little harder. They don't. Tennessee does not like losing to Florida. Uh, that's just how it is, <laughs> and that goes for every other school in the country. So because of who the opponent was. Uh, it doesn't matter how good the other team or bad the other team is. It's because of their helmets and their name. This was taken a little bit harder. It was probably overreacted to. I'm not saying that Butch is going to win out and have a great season. I mean, he could still very well suck it up and get fired. But I think because of the name on the other jersey, this is kind of why the reaction has been the way it is. Well, I personally think they should have easily won that game. I mean, it's to, yeah. You know, I, told, I was talking to somebody yesterday who follows the program closely, and I was like, you know, Florida didn't have 10% of more than 10% of their scholarship players were suspended. So it's like, we got to take that into account. I mean, you only got 85 scholarships. A couple of those go to walk-ons. You got a, you got a few injuries and you had nine or 10 guys suspended. I mean, you know, and, and it was clear that John Kelly, the Tennessee running back was kind of just having his way with, with Florida and, and you know, some of the plays to go away from him. And I think that was what my doctor was really complaining about the play calls down at the goal line and I think that's where the the coaching stuff comes in. You wonder, you know, what do we need to do to win a game when we're the when we're clearly the better team, especially given Florida's deficiencies. Now, the point I wanted to bring up 
We've seen it, and, and I remember Nate McMillan, uh, former coach of uh, the Portland Trailblazers, saying this as he had he had taken the team from you know basically being you know one of the worst teams in the league to you know a fifty win team. And I remember him giving an interview with him saying, you know, I don't know if I'm the guy. I might not be the guy. I got I'm the guy who got the team from the basement here to now respectability and being competitive, but I might not be the guy to take it to the next level. And turned out, obviously he wasn't. Do we think Butch might be the guy who, okay, look, he turned around Tennessee's program. He brought in, obviously increased the talent base. They had a ton of guys drafted. They were really left with an empty cupboard. Is it a situation where maybe that is the case? Maybe Butch turned the team around and maybe now it's time to to go approach another coach and maybe someone that you think can get you over the top, uh, maybe a more established name or something like that. But who? I mean, this is, you know, it's, I guess this is uh, the old LSU adage here. When you fire your coach that's done so well uh, and done some good things, you better have somebody you know is better than him in mind and not you know, a uh, defensive line coach, who I won't name. Uh, but, you know, and I guess it's not the same situation because Butch is not Les Miles. Sorry, the hurricane cleanup is going on outside my house. That's buzzing. So uh, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but now it's derailed my train of thought. But they better have somebody in mind before they just can him in the middle of the year uh, and then look for the options later because you never know what you could end up with. I don't think it's a situation where he's going to get fired in the middle of the year. I don't ever see that. I don't. He'd have to, they'd have to lose like five games in a row. The the one thing to watch is they do have a new AD, and it's not the guy who fired him. To make another pro sports term, or it wasn't the guy who hired him. I mean, to, to use this, another pro sports analogy, I mean these guys, the GMs usually like to bring in their own coach. So I think that's something to follow. Like I said, we wanted to talk a little bit more about this with somebody on the ground in Knoxville. Didn't come through, but we are watching it closely. I think it's something we're going to be talking about. I think I think we're in a situation in the SEC where at least three coaches. Uh, you know, are in danger of getting the axe and we'll kind of follow that as, as the year moves along. Now, and this was a topic we talked about last week, Micah Parsons comes out, he a five-star recruit. He tweeted about how, you know, they should make a change at quarterback at Ohio state. He has a dog named Brutus, as we've also covered several times in the past. And I think at the beginning of college game day, Kirk Herbstreet, former Ohio state quarterback, who's now in the media, obviously one of the, the foremost, uh, personalities in college football he addressed it on the show and i think rob also saw him going back and forth with him on twitter so as i look through the rundown here as i'm reading a story from the new york post uh, rob's favorite paper um <laughs> so so herb street started this argument with uh with micah parsons and he said you know uh recruits should wait keep- I, I didn't realize they were were they taught were they like talking directly to each other yeah, on yeah, twitter they went at it on twitter oh um, oh i missed that so so kurt said that you know recruits should keep quiet and worry about their own teams and he said he was trying to help them avoid issues on their future team not to mention it's not their place uh he followed up by adding pretty sure their opinions once they get to their future locker room won't go over real well so so parsons you know, as we saw and, and kind of talked about, he sort of was like, oh, you know, I just was passionate about my team, blah, 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 blah. Well, Jackson Carmen, who we have ranked as a five-star offensive lineman, <laughs> responded and said, uh, pretty sure I wouldn't have any problems in Dabo Sweeney's or Clay Helton's locker room for my opinion on OSU's QB. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, 
boy, here here come the people joining in. Jaden Woodby, another Ohio State commit who has a very unique personality, I would say, uh, after hanging out with him for a little bit at the Five Star Challenge. Very funny guy, makes a lot of jokes. He jumps in and, and, and then starts talking about Dwayne Haskins, asking him when he's going to play. And then uh, also tweeted my most hated quote of all time, talking uh, talking to Carmen, where he said, lions don't worry about the opinions of sheep. And then former tw- a legendary Twitter troll, Tate Martell, who's on the Ohio State team, stuck up for Herb Street saying he was hardly a sheep and then would be said that's exactly what he is. So, boy, all types of back and forth, all types of shots fired. I don't know, but that, but that's that's exactly what we were talking about when it comes to when it comes to Carmen, right? I mean, like they, you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna go if you're Kirk Herbstreet and you go on national television and you try and bully Mark, Micah Parsons for what he said, like he he should, I mean, I, he should have been the one to say, oh well, yeah, you know, Dabo Swinney agrees with me or whatever, you know, on my quarterback opinions of you, you know what I mean? Because that's like. That's the leverage in, in Parsons' corner, and this is kind of the fine line that we were talking about last week. But I, I, now, now that we're talking about it out loud, I mean, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm uh, Urban Meyer, you know, obviously him and Herb Street are, are going to be friends. They worked at ESPN together for a little bit. I mean, do you think Urban should send him a text? It was like, hey, dude, you should have backed off a little bit or something. Yeah, if Herb Street doesn't say anything about this, it goes by the wayside in like ten minutes. I, I want to comment on that quote too. Right. It, it's so funny that you know they use that lions and sheep quote and it's like some high school kid against like this guy that (laughs) this nationally famous guy that makes millions of dollars a year and that guy's the sheep right and the high school kid's the lion but you shouldn't be in a fight you shouldn't be in a fight with a high school student on the internet ever there should be no situation in which you as an adult should be in a fight online with a high school the end (laughs) that should that's all that kirk herbstreit needs to hear Right, he's got he's 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 gone full on into dad mode. I mean, I've seen the commercials with him and stuff. Now, I mean, he can't help himself but be a dad at this point. So yeah, but well, guess he's, what? He's, he's not. He's not. He's, he's not Parsons' dad. Like he's just. You're not. Guy. Yeah. He's just a guy. I know. He's like, just a guy on TV. Dad, dad mode. Dad mode. Dad mode definitely kicked in though, didn't it? No, one hundred percent. Well, I've got news for you. Herb Street's about to be part of my life as he has several uh, up-and-coming uh, children in the state of Tennessee who I believe are going to be future D1 prospects. So uh, maybe we'll get him on the show to talk about <laughs> But I think Rob did put – talk about putting a bow on it. Saying you shouldn't be arguing with kids on the internet I think is probably – which I, I can't take that advice. If you, uh, if you want to argue with kids, you gotta, you got to take that to, you gotta take that to you know, PlayStation Live or whatever. And you, <laughs> That's where, that's if you want to argue with children, that's the you know it's the number one place to argue with children is on like what are the games they play like uh, yeah Matt yeah Counter Strike Counter Strike or something yeah, Tekken do people still play Tekken I don't know <laughs> I'm telling you about going to the dad well so uh, that but let's get back to the quote that is the stupidest quote ever isn't it. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. I'm sure it's, our, I'm sure it's in our boy book at Duke for sure. That has to be in that book. Well, as I tweeted yesterday, just yesterday, someone someone tweeted that at me about some article. And I tweeted them that, hey, guess what? Lions and sheep are never in the same place at the same time. I've got news for you. Number one. Number two, male lions don't do anything except sit around and sleep all day. The The, the female lions do all the work. They do all the hunting. Male lions, get out of here. You stink. 
God, get rid of that quote. Stop using it. Doesn't make any sense. Next week on the Womack Nature podcast. No, don't even get me started. There's some other. Go ahead and Google some tendencies of male lions out there, and I think some. You know, you'll find some interesting stuff that they get into when they're not hunting. <laughs> some problematic practices. Right. Exactly. Let's put it that way. Okay. I like some of these recruits. Some of the stuff they say. To check it out. Um. All right, we don't have a whole lot else to talk to talk about. So, of course, what else are we talk about? But Justin Fields, back at Georgia this week uh, for the game against Samford. Saw some pictures of him and just on uh, uh, Jacob Eason dapping it up on the sidelines, and uh, you know he's always, he's been a regular over there. Obviously, it's easiest for him to get there. I'm sort of curious now. It seems. I, you know, Chad Simmons, who uh, also is on another Rivals podcast, uh, works for us here in the Southeast. He said, you know, he's been projecting fields to Georgia since August. I, you know, we've heard conflicting info with Florida State. I don't know, man. I mean, I, if we do what we always do, which is to be follow the visits, he's going to be back there this week. We should think that George is the leader. I mean, and I don't know if Jake Fromm's play, which has been good, he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot. But if you look at Jake Fromm's stats so far through three games, I mean, is it going to be enough to scare you from going there? He's got uh, his his numbers on the year. He's thirty four of fifty seven for uh, four hundred forty nine yards, five touchdowns, one interception. I mean, that's decent, but it's like, as I mentioned, they're not asking him to do a whole lot, but is that enough to scare you off if you're, you know, in some cases, the number one player in the country? What, what do you guys think? I don't know if it's a, a matter of being scared as much as it is looking at Florida State. You know, they've got their starters hurt, who could be gone in two years anyway, even if he's not hurt. Um It's just so appealing over there. If you're, I mean, if you want to avoid competition whatsoever, and I'm not saying he does. Maybe he doesn't care. But, I mean, even if it's just Eason or it's just Fromm, but to have both of them there and to have all the depth that they have, it just seems like the logic would dictate that he would take a good hard look at Florida State. But, you know, you do always follow the visits. And it's hard. This is one of those recruitments where I don't – I'm not comfortable making any sort of prediction. We're going to need a riddle from a family member or something. Because I could see this going – I mean, I can make the case of logic dictates that this could go either way. It just depends on, you know, which case you ask me to make. We definitely need a riddle. I'm going to reach out to uh, some people and see if I can't get a riddle. Uh, because <laughs> I remember asking uh, someone very close to Cam Newton what he thought what Fields was going to do. And he replied, I have no idea. <laughs> so there's, you know, people are, are, are sort of identifying Cam Newton as his mentor. I, I think that's that been overblown. I mean, Cam was a seven on seven coach. I think Cam likes him a lot. I think they have a good relationship. But I mean, he's only known the kid for you know, less than a year. So I wouldn't say he's a mentor. I, you know, his, his quarterback coach, Ron Veal is the guy I think that, that could possibly supply us with a riddle. He could also, uh, you know, be the mentor that people are talking about. He, he's the guy who first turned me on to him. He's the guy that I ran into outside of the Florida state, Alabama game. And he said he was waiting for Justin. They were going to the game together. So, I think there's something to be watched there. He doesn't like to talk. He doesn't like to do interviews. He's got a protected Twitter account. But I do think Ron might have the key to the riddle. So I'm going to want to see if we can't find him out. So we're still following the Justin Fields saga day by day. It was it's so interesting. I saw one. 
in the typical week of uh, reports, I saw one report that said it's down to Georgia and LSU. I saw another one that said LSU is not really a factor. I said <laughs> and saw another one that said Auburn still leads, and I saw another one that said Florida State is definitely Georgia's biggest threat. So okay, okay for a second, let's <laughs> we blame these fans for being delusional and stuff, but you know. It, we create this. I mean, you can find a report that basically all fans want is to be told everything is going to be okay. And you can find a report, no matter what fan you're a team of, that tells you everything is going to be okay. It's really amazing. Yeah, well, you mentioned these fans. Sometimes the reporters are fans, and that's yeah, the... That's, see, that's, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast we can do. Right, exactly. So, um, anyway, all right, we're going to move on. That wraps up our, our big topics for the week. If you have anything you'd like to talk to us about or you want us to talk about, please reach out to us at Rivals Podcast on Twitter. As we move on now, it is time for Tweet of the Week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Oh, man. Jeez, so many, se- so many segments now. <laughs> Boy, we're rolling, aren't we? we got all types of segments. Um, <laughs> now, this one actually includes a friend of the show from uh, – Friend of the show from Adidas, our corporate partner, Zach Soskin. Which, uh, some people say Zoskin. Some people say Zoskin, which I should ask him about. Since his first name starts with Zach, I wonder if he if he doesn't like that. Now, Zach's a you know notorious personality on Twitter. He's always tweeting all types of stuff, stirring the pot a little bit, which we all know I love. And he tweets last night, uh, just because you're happy doesn't mean you should be content. Never stop aiming higher and working for more. Nice inspirational quote, which people love on Twitter. Now, Michael Chase, who we don't know, clearly one of uh, Zach's real-life friends, replies to him and says, he can tweet life goals, but he can't return a text. <laughs> uh, he's right about that. <laughs> I've tried uh, messaging Zach several times. Yeah, which I really enjoyed because I share your pain, Michael. So, uh Guess what, Zach? is a battery returning text. Despite a person, he has two phones and two different phone numbers. And uh, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's he's tough to get a hold of. So anyway, Zach's been clamoring to come on the show. We will have him on the show at some point, probably later in the year. But now, guess what? You're part of the show. Uh, the- is that, Zach, we tried, to, we tried to get you on the show this week, but you didn't answer your phone. So Yeah, we, we texted you. <laughs> we texted you about it. We love you, Zach. Now. I do have one more bonus tweet, which is a callback to, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had a tweet about uh, uh, one player was, was having some love woes. Another recruit advised him that, that uh, girls are only out to uh, steal your hoodies. <laughs> now we have a tweet that came into my timeline from uh, Sir Dorothy Mantooth, which I believe is an Anchorman uh, reference, which uh, Keenan would really love. He's Keenan, shout out number three on this week's show. Uh, she tweets this, ladies, before September ends, buy your man a nice hoodie. Let him get attached to it. Once it smells good, just like him, steal it. So she's advocating. Put the plans out there. Yeah. She is advocating for these hoodie stealing. So uh, whichever recruit that was that said it a couple weeks ago, he was right. He's on to him. So anyway. There you go. They got 2,000 retweets, by the way, for Dorothy, who only has uh, 3,700 followers. So a uh, big, big moment for her to get, get that many retweets for sure. Now let's move on. Time for Ransom Recommendations. Rob, you put nothing on the sheet this week. You got anything for us? <laughs> Hurricane related, maybe? <laughs> no, man, I'm on mute because it's oh, chaos outside. So you guys just go. <laughs> I take <laughs> <laughs> 
I could do my rant about leaf blowers, which I really, really, really hate. And there's a lot of environmental studies to back up my stance about how bad they are for the environment. Noise pollution, regular pollution, things of that nature. Do, do some research on that. Rob would definitely side with me today as he's got a leaf blower right outside his window, it sounds like. Oh, it must be nice to have lawn service out there just taking care of it for you. Her- <laughs> <laughs> now, Nick, you've got a rant, uh, which I really enjoy, which I can also kind of uh, chime in on. So let's let's you go first. Rob sounds Rob sounds like he's you know like when you're making a like a order at a fast food place and the speaker like the interference comes on with the person at the same time they start talking to you. Either that or he's making a smoothie or something. He's making a smoothie. <laughs> Terminado, <laughs> lots of it. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, okay. Well, I've got I've got a couple of rants. Uh, I'll start off with the one that I put on the sheet first and foremost. I was watching. I can't even remember what game I was watching. It was probably um, it's probably Memphis and UCLA. Uh, Woody, as you and I were both watching that together. Jeez, oh, boy, what a Anthony Beck. I'm sorry, you got to go. I was. Uh, oh, well, yeah, you're right. It was Anthony Beck, right? Because he he called some. They they were running some pass play. I mean, and and he called it a, a double skinny spider or something like that. And it's just like. You know, is, is for for announcers to come out there and name plays in that in that fashion, and it's just like, okay, well, if you had a similar play in your playbook and that's what you called it, maybe that's what you called it. But you're telling me that every single football team in the country calls that exact play that exact same thing, and you're going to put it out there on national TV like that? I don't buy it for a second. It's phony. Yeah, I used to have that same problem with John Gruden with Spider X Y Banana or whatever. It's like. That's what you called it, but I guarantee that's not what Memphis calls it. I mean, you know, get it exactly. We can't go on and on about how intricate all you know hard knocks every year. You know, the the young quarterbacks always have a really hard time learning the names of the plays because they're so long and intricate. But yet these announcers get up there and go, "Oh yeah, that's a," you know, you could say, "Okay," like you said, "That's a you got two skinny posts coming here." But to say the name and be like, you know. Oh yeah, this is you know my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard or whatever. It's like that's 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 probably not what it's called. So you know, Anthony Beck, get out of here. And I guess what, Anthony, I got another problem. The use of RPO is really at an all-time high, and I tweeted about this a few times and got a lot of responses from people. We get it. It's a run-pass option. Sometimes the plays are not run-pass option; they're just play action. And I don't want to get into the whole football. Uh, you know, vernacular discussion here, but if you're yeah, we've using got an entire work, podcast for that, yeah. <laughs> if <laughs> if you have a large prize, large. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so anyway, if you're using a term twenty times in a game, it, it might be time to think about some, some, you know, tuning it up a little bit. So can we please relax on RPOs? I mean, I read an article about. How the the trend sweeping the NFL RPOs? It's like guys, these have been a part of the game for the last ten years. So it's, this is not something new. I know maybe more teams are running them, but get get out of here with RPO. So Nick, you got a bonus one here as well? Yeah, bo- bonus rant here, and this is something you'll sympathize with heavily. Uh, so this past Saturday, I was at uh, Katy versus uh, the Woodlands and Katy's new uh, stadium out there, and it's their first game back too since Hurricane Harvey. So. Uh, you know, a new stadium, new energy. Uh, they won just by a field goal at the end against the Woodlands, who were in the state championship game last year. So it was a big, you know, big night for everybody at Katy. Well, you know, as you and me uh, are are prone to do, we go to shoot video on the sidelines. Uh, and Katy, 
you know, as, as much as I love uh, the Katy Independent School District and all the teams in it, they are probably the most stringent uh, with their you know, with their security, making sure that you stay behind a certain point on the field to make sure that you're not uh, p- uh, potentially involved in a play or something like that. But what they also do is they move that line back. Generally, the sideline it cuts off at a certain point where the team box ends. Uh, and then you just kind of unofficially just need to pretend that line continues on down the rest of the field. Well, in Katie, they uh, actually have it back even further uh, where the pl- where they want the players to stand and then they extend that out for the media too. So you're already shooting at a loss. And uh, with all the people there from the Katie team, there were a lot of parent photographers out there getting a lot of really good amateur photography done. Uh, so I went over to the Woodland side where there were significantly fewer people. However, there was one guy there and he was doing, he was clearly doing a radio broadcast for the Woodlands. He was the sideline reporter. Um an active member of the media in in the capacity that he was there. However, he stayed in the team box for the Woodlands, did not adhere to the line that everybody else had to stand behind. And then furthermore, at one point in the game, started yelling at the referees over a botched holding call or what he felt was a botched holding call during uh, presumably the radio broadcast. So uh, I really lost my patience with him. Had it not been uh, for another member of the media that I was chumming it up with during the game, I probably would have uh, had had something to say to him at some at some point. But I was uh, I was in a much pleasant, more pleasant mood to to try and, and bring a conflict. But I really in my own head, I did not like him very much. Yeah, if anybody listening to this go is from the Woodlands area, and you know the guy that I'm talking about, you know, send, send him a send him a strongly worded email or something like that. Yeah, well, you, you can't expect people who live out in the middle of the Woodlands to know proper uh, decorum and <laughs> that type of setting. I, I do have a problem with. I've been having a problem with coaches coming way outside the coaching box. Oh. To get in my way. And it's like, you know, we see it as a point of emphasis in college football. Can we make it a point of emphasis in high school not to have coaches down standing at the 15-yard line? I mean, get out of here. So, obviously, I'm not as skilled as you, Nick, at at shooting video. And, you know, one guy gets in my way or something, and it really throws me off. So, um, it's been real tough. It's been a tough year so far for both of us on that front. Now, I have – I guess I'll go positive here with a couple of recommendations. It's a big week this week. Fall TV is coming back. Uh, actually, Sunday night I watched the premiere of Vice Principals. It's the final, second and final season on HBO starring Danny McBride. Tremendous TV show. Highly recommend, uh, you know, if, if you like the, st- the comedic stylings of Danny McBride. I know, Nick, you saw him at the airport in Charlotte probably when he was filming this final season as they film it in Charleston. And you didn't talk to him, uh, which was kind of a disappointment. But, well, we, you know, we, we, we gave each other the bro nod. Right. A couple, cele- couple celebs like you two, you know, you don't want to... You know, you know what's up. So, highly recommend that on HBO. You can catch up on the first season as well if you haven't if you haven't watched it. Uh, great show. Not here for a long time, but definitely enjoyable. Uh, the Good Place comes back on NBC, I believe, Wednesday night. This comes out on Thursday. Uh, also, highly recommended if you like The Office or uh, Parks and Rec from the same people who did those shows. Uh, also, need you need to see season one. Uh, there's a big twist in the plot at the end there. So, highly recommend that and. Uh, the third show I have, a uh, favorite of mine and Nick's, Nathan For You, returns this week as well with the fourth season, and there's all types of shenanigans going on. Nick, have you have you kept up on that show since uh, we don't live with each other anymore? 
Um, you know, I've watched a lot of Nathan on the internet, and I don't know which episodes come from which seasons, but I feel like I'm pretty well caught up. Yeah, so that's that's a great show. Highly highly recommend uh, where Nathan goes out and uh, tr- tries to help businesses, and, and it always has wacky uh, hijinks ensue. So it's kind of like a mockumentary style where he I, I don't even know how i would describe it but it's very enjoyable that's uncommon yeah, it's like it's like uh it's like if when gordon ramsay goes into a restaurant and uh yeah yeah it's kind of like <laughs> bar rescue or whatever but it's funny um so i would highly recommend that and guess what lebron james uh, the one and only opened a pizza place blaze pizza which nick and i talked about off the air uh, near my house hopefully mr shut up and train my personal trainer isn't listening to this Went down there, got a pizza on Saturday. Talk about a decent pizza for $7 or whatever. I know we got Pizza Snob Rob, which is, I can't talk because of, uh, you know, his personal uh, valet working on the yard out there. But (laughs) I would highly recommend Blaze Pizza. There's only one in all of Georgia, it looks like now, but it is the fastest growing pizza chain or fastest growing restaurant chain ever per uh, Forbes.com. So there should be one near you for sure. Rob, you're in? (laughs) Oh, he went away again. Okay. <laughs> like he's so, turning, the, turning the thing off, and then when I unmute, he turns it back on. It's like he's in my window watching me for when I unmute the microphone, and then he starts leaf blowing again. It's it's, it's yeah. unbelievable. He's, he's probably pretty good friends with the Woodlands radio now. I cannot network. believe it. Anyway, I'm signing off for the week. Uh, you know, it's got uh, good to be back. All right, thanks, Rob. I got I do have one, one quick complaint before we go. You know, so I I often shop at Publix where shopping is a pleasure, according to them. And uh, I've been donating a lot of money. I wouldn't say a lot of money. I've been donating money here and there for various various hurricane relief stuff, Red Cross. You know, people ask, people ask, I give. Uh, So anyway, just a few bucks here and there. You know how it is. But Publix insists on having this policy where they ask you to donate money. And if you say yes, they take a cowbell and ring it every time. And it's like, I guess what? I don't, I don't need a big pop and circumstance because I gave ninety three cents to you know the March of Dimes or whatever. And this this last time that she asked me, she said, "Do you want to donate money?" And I and I asked her straight out. I said, "Are you going to ring the bell if I do?" And she goes, oh, well, "I don't have to." And I said, "Does any?" <laughs> I said, "Does anyone like that?" And she's like, "Oh, people love it." And I go, "Who loves it?" What kind of person you give the money? Ding, 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 ding. It's like you know maybe Mississippi State fans or whatever. But get out of here! I do not want that bell ring. I don't need. It's like when you walk into Mo. Welcome to Mo's or whatever. It's like I don't want people yelling at me. JJ okay, Watt. Sal- Watt would like that bell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Salvation Army. I'll cut you some slack with the bell ringing because you're trying to draw people's attention. But they don't ring it extra when you put some money in there. So. Donate to charity, donate to hurricane relief, but stop with the bells. That would be my advice uh, to Publix if you want to raise more money. That's just my my personal opinion. So let us know if you if you do like the bells, or if you don't. Uh, you know, keep us updated. So we're we're well over an hour. We're gonna skip uh, Woody's wacky story of the week, I guess, because that basically just was one, and uh, and move on. So please. Listen to us. Uh, if you're listening to this, you made it this far. You must be a big fan. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, share with your friends. We will be back uh, with another episode next week. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have Rob for the whole time. We won't have any issues with uh, with the, the yard service and, and uh, everything like that. So 
Big shout to M. Deuce. His Oregon State Beavers continue to flounder. We might have to have him on the show at some point to talk about how bad they are, uh, but uh, he will play us out. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Just search for M-Deuce. <laughs>